Welcome to Work Disrupted, an Ontario Society of Occupational Therapists podcast. You're in the right place if you're someone that's interested in challenging what you thought you knew about workplace mental health. The COVID-19 pandemic has shown us on a societal level how disruption to any aspect of our life, including work, can impact our mental health. Our career or profession is so ingrained in our identity that disruptions can truly impact our mental health and well-being. This is causing organizations to strongly consider how to support employee mental health. My name is Chantelle, and I'm an occupational therapist currently working within a hospital, supporting the health and wellness of those that work within my organization. And I'm Priya, an occupational therapist working for an insurance company who supports clients on long-term disability to return to work. In this series, we'll interview occupational therapists working in different roles within the area of workplace mental health. Our guests share the ways in which occupational therapy can assist us in getting back to thriving in the workplace. In this episode, our guest is Dr. Baden Naruzi Kia, an assistant professor and occupational therapist in the Department of Occupational Science and Occupational Therapy at the University of Toronto where he holds the inaugural Emily Geldsoller Grant Early Career Professorship in Workplace Mental Health. He shares with us his story of advancement and opportunities for occupational therapy within the area of workplace mental health. Welcome, Baden. Can you start by telling us about the CSA group and your involvement? The, the Canadian Safety Association group, or CSA group now, it's just called CSA group, is responsible for all sorts of standards, everything from like things that we take for granted, like uh, standards for electrical guidelines to standards for ergonomic office chairs, as you know, and things like that. And in like uh, many years ago, probably uh, seven years ago, even before that, I was involved in a fellowship run by the Canadian Institutes of Health Research uh, for work disability prevention. And I did that for three years. And one of the culminations of that project uh, was that there was talks about developing a work disability management standard. And that talk kind of, uh, I certainly didn't lead it. There was another individual that led it. Um, but from 2014, when the initial discussions were had until about 2019, when we started working on it, there was a lot of interest from uh, employers. There was a lot of interest from employee groups to um, have their voices heard. And if you've ever, if you don't know anything about how CSA standards are developed, they essentially bring together groups of stakeholders from different representations like employers, employees, unions, uh, associations, a general interest group, uh, and so forth. And we kind of sit together and through a consensus-based model, develop a standard or guideline. You can kind of, they use, the word standard is used in CSA group, but it's really kind of a set of guidelines or parameters that people can frame their discussions around work disability management. And one of the pieces that I advocated for is to have occupational therapy represented in this development of the guideline because we play such an important role. And uh, I was advocating to be on the standard for that, for that reason, because they had medicine, they had nursing, but in terms of health groups, they didn't have anybody else. And I said, well, OT occupational therapy is a natural fit for uh, being part of the standard. And then also to have a portion of the standard looking at the role of healthcare professionals as experts in uh, working with individuals uh, as they return to work, stay at work, 
on board so they start working or continue this uh, at work so that was kind of the the story around that and then you know at these meetings kind of like we're doing right now we get together uh we used to in person but there were people from across the country so so some people joined virtually before uh the pandemic started anyway and we go around and we discuss different topics related to work disability management and uh for example when we come to the role of the healthcare professional it's ideal to have occupational therapy there because we have a different perspective than nursing does we have a different perspective than medicine does and we also have different skill sets and we do different things and to have that voice heard uh is not very welcome because it's led to all sorts of other opportunities where different groups like the Ontario um, Occupational Health Health Nurses Association and I are collaborating on a project or uh this idea I think I told you um Chantel maybe Priya uh about Echo OEM the Occupational and Environmental Medicine pilot so I'm a co-investigator on that it's led by uh two physicians and uh, they are looking at uh, establishing a pilot, the first of its kind in the world, in supporting occupational medicine and environment. And there's a huge role for occupational therapy here. And uh, again, similar to the standard, advocating for the role of OT and, and being uh, one of the hub members uh, allows us to have an opportunity for the OT voice to be heard and to be represented. And that's very, very key. Because these kinds of things mean that uh, the profile is raised among healthcare professionals. And I can tell you a little bit more about the, uh, the echo later, but to tie it to the standard, it's all about advocating. As we know, we're very good at advocating for our clients or um, now we're kind of advocating for the profession in a different role, like development of policy, creation of uh, research and so forth. So I think the CSA group was a great venue for that and, after that, I've, I've sat in some other committees for the CSA work. So there's another one that's going to come out very soon looking at uh, work disability and operational stress disorders and first responders where OTs play a very important role too. And uh, just anecdotally talking to some first responders, they, they, they value occupational therapy now that they understand the role and how important they are, for example, to return to work or to uh, work disability prevention and so forth. So it, it, it blossoms and that blossoming isn't just, you know, one person. We need a lot more than that. We need OTs that are interested in this area and to kind of link practice to policy, to link practice to, to research. So, you know, my CSA story is to kind of just say that the, the opportunity to have a voice, to make that voice heard, and then to build on that. And now, I think there's always a natural inclination for uh, the CSA when it comes to occupational health and safety standards to want to have an OT voice at the table and to 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 have that represented because you know we play such a important an important role uh, you know to quote one of my colleagues from occupational medicine it's in your title so you know and I you know then we kind of get down the road of well what we mean by occupation is much broader than just work activities, but yeah, it's also part of our name. So we want to have that represented as well. Thanks for sharing that, Baden. And uh, where can our listeners access this CSA standard? CSA standards is available on the CSA uh, website. I'm just looking it up, see if it, this one in particular, so the CSA standard for the um, work disability management system there is a free preview 
but to get the actual standard, you have to pay for it. I think it's about $120 Canadian, uh, but some of the standards are free, but this one is not. But yeah, the, you can kind of get an idea. And and the intention of the standard is that anybody who's involved with uh, work disability management can be picking this up and uh, understand where they find a, are positioned. So it's targeted at workers uh, in that knowing, you know, if they have challenges with a situation at work, whether they want to stay at work, go off work, come back to work, that there is a piece for them there for healthcare professionals, for employers, for associations. So it really is targeting a very broad group. And it's also, that's reflected in who's on the technical committee. So I think you, you'll see that there and it's available on the website. And of course, you know, if there's questions, I'm happy to answer them. We know we have, you have a very busy schedule with everything that's going on and all of your commitments in your personal life, as well as your work life and your volunteer work that you're doing, including with the CSA group. I've used CSA standards for many different things. So it is a, a really important group to be involved in and to have that OT lens as part of the technical committee, um, because there's definitely OTs that are using it as well as those outside of it. So to really pull in that those viewpoints um, and our perspective is, is really valuable. So I thank you so much for your involvement in that and to continuing to advocate for our profession um, as part of it. And we know that there's more that you're involved in than just uh, the CSA. So if you want to take a little bit of time before we get into uh, a lot more conversation, but tell us a little bit about yourself as, as we start into this. Sure. So right now I'm uh... My main uh, role is uh, in the Department of Occupational Science and Occupational Therapy, so I'm an assistant professor there. I'm also practicing OT, uh, and, um, you know, uh, I have for many years. I, I lived in northern Ontario for about 10 years and worked in uh, the northeastern part of the province and had very different experiences that I uh, will always cherish. And uh, those experiences were from working with indigenous communities, working with uh, the natural resources sector, particularly mining that's very prominent in the Northeast. And then also with the healthcare work, uh, workforce too, particularly um, with um, registered nurses uh, and looking at some of their health outcomes as well. So that's uh, that's kind of the, the lens that I, I have worked for for many years. And then my appointment at the university has given me an opportunity to kind of put those into uh, a research perspective and kind of explore some of these questions a little bit more critically through an occupational lens. And I use the term occupational to mean both uh, an activity perspective, but one through paid work as well. So kind of having that OT framework to look at some of these issues a lot more critically is what I am interested in doing. And um, that's led to some very exciting opportunities. Uh, I think I mentioned, uh, or, you know, depending on this is cut, uh, the, uh, the echo OEM. Uh, so that's a, a pilot project that's funded by the WSIB. Uh, I've had the, the fortune of being a co-investigator on that and, beyond the expert hub that and it's going to start out in the fall for the first round uh again another opportunity for ot to be profiled and to demonstrate uh our expertise in, in this and to give you a little perspective on how that works is that the echo oem is funded by the wsib and it's funded for a two-year project and echo itself is an initiative that started out in, uh, in New Mexico in 2003 by a physician there who is a hepatologist. So he's an expert in liver disease. 
And he was looking at essentially connecting practitioners that are in rural, remote areas of New Mexico to experts that are in urban centers in their major cities in, in, in the state. And kind of that model has been used and replicated all over the globe. So in Ontario, the echoes are very diverse and broad. Uh, they cover all sorts of different populations and groups. And if you go to, I think, echo, echoontario.ca, it will give you the whole list of all the echo programs that they are. And one of them that I'm involved in is this echo looking at occupational environmental medicine. So that one has a funding platform. It's, it's in the, the trial phase, and that's being led by two physicians um, that submitted the grant to WSIB and got funding for it, and I was brought in on the research team. And then now the exciting part is that we're going to be able to pilot the ECHO. So the ECHOs go through, I think, um, a several-week cycle. I think this one will go through a 12-week cycle in the fall. And each week, the format is that uh, there's members of uh, what they what's called the expert hub. So these are experts in different areas, healthcare practitioners for the most part, regulated ones. And so there's representation from occupational medicine, there's physiatry, there's uh, occupational therapy, there's occupational nursing, and there's those, a few others that are not uh, healthcare practitioners. So we have an occupational hygienist, for example, as well. Uh, and I'm trying to remember if there's anybody else. There's a few, I think a couple from research uh, as well. And every week, a practitioner will bring a case, and they're they're the spoke. So someone that has a challenging case, for example, maybe in northern Ontario or rural southwestern Ontario, and they present this case to the experts. And then um, we have a fruitful discussion, and everybody learns from it. So what are some of the challenging presentations? How? What are some of the recommendations? And then in the format for this echo in particular, there's also a didactic lecture at the end for about 20 minutes. And each one of the uh, expert hub members, in addition, sometimes some guests will give a lecture uh, and there's different topics covered. So for example, the topic that I'll be covering is around uh, return to work, work disability management and the role of allied health. And for example, when would be an appropriate time to make referrals to your allied health colleagues? Obviously I'm going to mostly focus on my disciplines. That's what I would know the best, but to others as well. And that's essentially the format of, uh, of the sessions. And then we'll pop, we'll run it one more time in the 2022 and hopefully, you know, it becomes a permanent part of the echo Ontario super hub. And it's very exciting because this is, again, an area of occupational health and safety where OTs have worked for, I know, a long time. And now we have an opportunity to have our voices heard and also for OTs, if they're interested, to bring cases of, um, you know, challenging clients or patients to the ECHO and have um, a discussion about them. It's open to all regulated healthcare professionals. And I think it's really worthwhile to have the OT voice, too at the table and I'm encouraging, you know, through my channels, uh, through OSA, through the university, uh, through social media to kind of get the buzz out and get OTs that are interested in this to, to kind of have their voices heard and uh, also to contribute and also to learn, right? So uh, to me, it would be great to have uh, OTs like yourselves bringing in a case and say, you know, this is something that I've been working with, this client, uh, we've had some challenges with this, 
what are your suggestions kind of thing and have a discussion. It's a very uh, supportive, friendly environment, um, one where we're all learning from one another. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the another exciting uh, initiative that's going on and uh, where I think that f- complements a lot of my skill sets and my training and my research and that we can see this into fruition. And it's, it's really exciting. I, I, I'm proud of uh, and really fortunate to be part of that team. Thanks for sharing that, Baden. We'll be sure to link Echo Ontario in our show notes for our listeners. I just want to go back to the Echo comment. So I've looked at Echo and and, um, Echo Ontario and even looking at it, there's 25 different groups that are part of it on various different topics. And there are some that are, I know you're involved with the occupational uh, medicine uh, part of things, but there are also ones related to mental health. And also during COVID, I've been involved in the one related to coping with COVID for healthcare providers. Um, And that's been something where there's been a lot of sharing about the resilience and and wellness and um, being able to support each other through it. And uh, once again, it's, there is didactic. There's also coming together as, as various healthcare professionals. So the ECHO group is a really great organization um, and, and group of different topics coming together and, and really working together across various professions as well as various areas. And so it's so fantastic to have an occupational therapist working on the group, bringing it forward. Cause I know the group that I was working with was, or, or being involved in, I was a, um, a consumer of, of the, I wasn't part of the planning part of committee. The hub. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was. I was involved in coming in and 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 participating in it and listening and learning so that I could bring it forward in, in my work and in my own experience through this. But it's so great to have an occupational therapist really on that forefront about the content coming in and to be one to share and to really once again, you're definitely an advocate for the profession, and we are so fortunate to have you part of this and and pushing forward our profession and um, doing this. And I forgot to say what ECHO stands for because sometimes you get this as the extension for community healthcare <laughs> outcomes. So in case you're wondering, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a really exciting initiative. I've, I've recently only been involved with it in the last uh, year and a bit, but uh, I think it's really exciting. And uh, the project that the ECHO that I'm involved with is um, led by Dr. Andrea Furland, who's a physiatrist at UHN. And uh, the other co-applicant is Dr. Anil Aldishi. And he's an occupational medicine specialist at St. Mike's and also at U of T. So uh, I'd be remiss not to acknowledge the, the, the co-PIs on the project. Um, but yeah, it's very exciting. And you know what? This 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 can give us even more ideas as to uh, future echoes in Ontario or elsewhere um, that people can start looking at. So this this has opened my eyes to this kind of model and really exciting uh, to have that. And as far as I know, this is for, you know, everybody who's listening to this is, you know, if you've got an idea and you're interested in looking at the Echo platform, there's maybe a fit with your idea, but if there isn't, you know, you might want to explore um, adding one and, you know, there's lots of ways of doing that. Uh, but most of the Echoes are funded, I think, through the Ministry of Health, if I'm not mistake, mistaken. Uh, but this particular one is on a pilot project that's funded through a grant through the Workplace Safety and Insurance Board of Ontario. So, Baden, it sounds like you've really done a lot to um, make sure that OTs have their voices heard at many different tables. Can you go into it a little bit more in terms of what do you think is really unique about occupational therapy and what can OTs, sorry, occupational therapists, bring to the table? Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. You know, to start off, because I'm in I'm in a situation or a position now where I'm training future 
um, occupational therapists and future leaders in the area of occupational therapy. I've seen the the full um, continuum. And for me, I'd say the most important thing is that we develop that interest early on and we also have it embedded in the curriculum. And I think, you know, at the, in the department of occupational science and occupational therapy at the university of Toronto, that's an integral part of the learning is to ex- to provide exposure and opportunity for learners to uh, understand where OT fits within the healthcare continuum and even outside of healthcare, because there's OTs that work outside of healthcare and, and, and then to see where, our skill sets are complementary or in some cases um, where we will demonstrate leadership. I think to do that for learners, it is to have those exposure. And then as you become, you know, newly minted practitioners and seasoned ones as well, seasoned therapists is to advocate through an occupational lens, through our occupation based approach. I don't want us to, and then people will say this, we don't want to fall, you know, shy away or divert from that. It's easy to fall into different disciplines perspectives and to kind of say, Oh yeah, we kind of, we can kind of do this, but the, the pitfalls there are that we lose our bearings. We lose that we're occupation based, but we have to be always grounded in what our expertise is because that will be what differentiates us and what distinguishes us as practitioners uh, in a clinical, non-clinical or any other, the other hats that we wear, because that's what people will come to us as healthcare providers, as employers, as workers, organizations, and say, you know, what's, what's the perspective of occupational therapy? If we, if we keep that at our, at our core, I think we'll be very, very successful. So for example, providing assessments, assessments that are based on occupation and occupational therapy principles. And that's what we do very well. And to always keep that uh, as our bearing and kind of like a compass. And we, 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 we are grounded in occupation. And even in the OEM, uh, the echo OEM, we're having discussions among us, each different practitioner will bring in their viewpoints, but the OT one is very distinct. And I find that everybody's very interested in learning more about it. So this idea of uh, looking at enabling occupations for individuals, if somebody is off work and what's important to them, like what the client goals are when we're developing our intake form for this OEM, the idea of bringing client goals is something that, Oh yeah, we should be asking the client about their goals. That's their important things because they're going to be the expert when it comes to to go back and that's been foundational to occupational therapy for a hundred years plus so again kind of going back to those uh roots in our discipline and then using that to um demonstrate where we provide expertise and where we can really shine and that's the way i would see it that's how we would distinguish ourselves as practitioners in this area and where ot would kind of say this is our role this is kind of our sphere And I really like that point that you made about, you know, having the compass being grounded in occupation and function and focusing on clients' goals. Um, I think another point would also be confidence, right? And the way we present ourselves. When Chantal and I were speaking earlier, I think you were a part of this conversation. Instead of calling ourselves OTs, saying I'm an occupational therapist and using the full form instead of um, the abbreviation, yeah, absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. And as a, as a profession to, to say that, you know, this is what we do and this is where we're situated in this. And I think we have a lot of opportunities to demonstrate that leadership role uh, and to 
you know, because we have expertise in functioning and assessment and an occupation, we can also deal with a lot of complexity when it comes to supporting clients, particularly in the uh, occupational health and safety world, because we kind of, we really drill down into the nuances of uh, a function-based approach, an activity or occupation-based approach that other health practitioners will you know, refer to us for those types of complexities. And, and that makes complete sense to me because of the training that we have. So um, I think it's, it's always to be using that compass, if I, if I can say so, and also to show that leadership through that lens. I think if we go through that lens, it is quite um, a very strong one. And uh, the other healthcare practitioners on the team, the uh, employers, workers, and other stakeholders will say that, you know, this makes a lot of sense. And uh, you're coming at it through that lens. I really liked the point that you were saying and a comment that you had made about how you're training future leaders in occupational therapy, as well as researchers in occupational therapy in your role as the an assistant professor. Um, so I know that a part of your academic uh, career and role involves research. So can you tell us a little bit about how, what current projects you're working on and how you're really bringing that occupational lens and keeping that at the forefront of all of your research as that's going to be a, a really great guidance for occupational therapists as, as we read and use this literature um, and this research in our own practice? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for the opportunity. I mean, for me to be able to talk about my research is, is always exciting to me, and I hope it is to others to uh, to listen to it as well. So, you know, at, at the University of Toronto and in the department, I'm also privileged that I hold the Emily Getzler Grant Early Career Professorship in Workplace Mental Health. So a lot of my research kind of funnels through this lens of looking at workplace mental health outcomes. And some of the exciting projects that I have on the go, and I'll just mention a few of them, is that uh, last year we had a project funded by the Canadian Rheumatology Association. Um, so it's a national body that represents uh, research in rheumatology, and we're, we've used a multidisciplinary uh, lens to look at work disability outcomes in patients that have uh, lupus or systemic lupus erythematosus. We, we're well underway. We're about a year and a bit into the project. It's a two-year funded project, and we're looking at um, a, a, a variety of health uh, outcomes. So we're looking at mental health outcomes work functioning outcomes. Uh, we're also looking at their mental and physical health. Uh, we And that's done through uh, surveys. We're also looking at qualitative interviews. Uh, and we're going to talk about the lived experiences of individuals with lupus and how they either sustained work, been off work or trying to go back to work. So lupus is a chronic condition and it can impact pretty much the entire body. So for many of these individuals, uh, work is incredibly important because it provides them obviously with a sense of accomplishment, fulfillment, financial independence. And uh, believe it or not, until very recently, uh, I would say even today, occupational therapists, at least it's in the clinical capacity, have not had a very strong role uh, at the uh, centers where we're doing our research. And this is an 11-site center study um, based uh, here in Toronto, but also we have sites in Quebec, Manitoba, Alberta, British Columbia, at academic uh, hospitals. So this is a very exciting initiative. I'm working with a multidisciplinary team that includes rheumatologists, uh, nurses, social workers, and clinical psychologists. And, um, you know, it's a really exciting way to kind of profile occupational therapy, to kind of talk about what occupational therapy has that can support these types of clients, particularly through an occupational lens that's looking at work disability. So I'm really proud of that uh, study. 
And uh, yeah, that's kind of one project that we have on the go. Another one that uh, is interesting in looking at uh, the mental health of uh, of workers and probably one that's really top of mind is uh, COVID-19. So when we look, when we think about COVID-19 and the first thing that comes to mind is the COVID-19 testing. Well, maybe now the vaccines are becoming more prominent, but in the earlier days of the pandemic, it was a COVID-19 testing. And if you turned on any TV show, you probably saw uh, Michelle Hode, who was the uh, executive director, who is the chief executive director of the medical laboratory Professions, Professional Association of Ontario, and their group does the COVID-19 testing. So uh, I reached out to Michelle and I talked to her about issues around workplace mental health and what are some of the, uh, what are their um, workforce, what are their members experience, what is it like to work? during this pandemic. And uh, the fall of 2020, we initiated a study um, looking at the workplace mental health of medical laboratory technologists and medical laboratory assistants and technicians in Ontario who were part of their membership. Now, to kind of give you some perspective, this was an unfunded study. So we're kind of, we're doing this because I'm interested in supporting uh, healthcare professionals and particularly their mental health. And another colleague of mine who was a clinical psychologist kind of came on board and we, and we did this study. So we did surveys and we looked at the psycho- psychological uh, and uh, psychosocial environment the work environment of these healthcare professionals. We also did focus groups with them, kind of delve into some of the complexity, some of the nuances of their practice. And we had a really fruitful discussions with them during the focus groups as well. And we're kind of putting this together, but, to kind of say where I'm very proud of is one that we're profiling a group of healthcare professionals that have often been neglected or not even recognized. So I come from a small discipline of occupational therapy. So do you, uh, but these folks are ones that are providing such critical work, but oftentimes they're relegated because they're not patient facing or client facing. Uh, they're relegated to the, the roles in the background, but they provide valuable services that healthcare practitioners like doctors will use to provide diagnostic care and, uh, and services like that. So um, we're working with them. We're hoping that we can uh, expand their profile, understand their mental health. Uh, we're also submitting a Canadian Institute of Health Research grant this fall. Um, looking at their mental health across Canada, also of rehabilitation professionals, including occupational therapists, physical therapists, and other allied health members like pharmacists. So really excited about that initiative that started out in Ontario. We've got now a national project to to look at these um, types of and, um, workforces and then to to promote their mental health and well-being because oftentimes these types of healthcare workers are not being heard and they're providing really important services um, and we're hoping that you know this type of work will profile them and increase uh, their their uh, visibility. So those are just two I think examples. I've got many others, but for the sake of time, I think I'll just stop right there. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks for um, telling our listeners about that. And if, you know, I've definitely Googled you before starting the occupational therapy program, and I found a plethora of information. Um, So we'll, uh, we'll leave your, your, a link to your bio in our show notes as well. Thank you. And speaking of the start of the occupational therapy program, Faden, you know, I remember approaching you back in September 2018 when I started um, because I was interested in pursuing a non-clinical role, and you really walked me through that entire process and were a great mentor to me throughout those two years and still are. So I'm wondering if you can tell 
tell our listeners a little bit about um, your work with students and how you get them interested in non-clinical areas or how you really speak to them about occupational therapy and occupational health. Sure. So, you know, uh, I think with, with learners, you know, I, I was one that didn't work in a healthcare setting to begin with. So I've had a private practice. So I kind of tell them that occupational therapy is a very diverse discipline. And many times the learners that we have in, in our curriculum kind of come in and they kind of fall into some typical camps. Like they want to work with children in hospitals. They want to work with older adults in hospitals. And some of that is because of the experiences they've had as uh, from personal experience, maybe work experience and so forth. But I would say that you kind of have to broaden your horizons because there's a lot of other types of activity that occupational therapists are involved in clinical and non-clinical capacities at the stages of where someone's a learner, they're trying to, they're trying to grapple with the idea of what the profession is, what the discipline is about, uh, and then, uh, the different areas of practice. And then, so I try to kind of just expose them to it and say, you know, just consider this type of practice. And I kind of do that with guest lectures or some of the committees that I sit on. Um, if somebody's interested, I, I always put a shameless plug like I did this morning at the orientation for the first year learners. I said, if you want to join the research committee, feel free to email me and uh, or um, the OT uh, Occupational Library Services Research Coordinator. And we'd love to kind of have a chat about that. So just to give them the, that opportunity is, is where we start. And then uh, we build on that. And if, if people are interested, I think they will pursue it further. And then, you know, to, to get them involved in non-clinical areas or, uh, and, uh, and I'll, uh, I'll include like policy or research or admin in these types of opportunities is to get them an opportunity to get out there and get involved in it and get them to get a taste for it. Now, it might not be for everyone, but I think that we need to be working on this area to get much more uh, exposure to our learners, because I think there's there's such a need for it. And I think it starts with exposure, then it leads to all sorts of initiatives. If they're involved in research, how do they involve in research? We have a year-long research project at the University of Toronto. They can kind of, uh, I put out research projects uh, and they're related to health disciplines. So you can see the the, the example with the, the study with work disability and lupus, very traditional hospital-based multi-site study. And then there's other studies that I'm working with uh, large human resources companies that are completely outside of the traditional model of healthcare and, and seeing what they do or with insurance companies and so forth. And that kind of just busts some of these myths that we just have to be, you know, someone that works in this area or that area and that it's very diverse. And it's very exciting because a lot of the non-traditional, I'll call it, or these um, LEAP placements that students will get, um, and I I'll be honest, I forgot what LEAP stands for right now. Maybe Priya, you remember. Uh, but these types of non-traditional roles gives an opportunity for our learners to just understand how diverse OT is and for those stakeholders to understand what OT can offer. Because then they're like, wow, this is something that we can hire OTs to. And we've had that happen as well, even this year with the Human Resources Organization. They'll hire those OTs because they know what they can do. Really fascinating to kind of see your perspective and, and that push once again. I think that's the big thing that we're as the takeaway of this is is really pushing the boundaries of what we do as as new professionals, as we do as experienced professionals, as experienced occupational therapists, but also in how we take on students and what we do with learners at the academic perspective from when we are on placements um, or taking on students. I've I've taken on a student as part of a leap placement as well. Really what 
we want to learn a little bit more about is is the work that you've done in your personal story as well. You've kind of touched on a few things about your private practice that you have and your work in Northeastern Ontario, but kind of what got you interested in moving into this area and, and even with your research in, in mental health and workplace mental health as part of that? We'd really love yeah. to learn more about that. Sure. So like I, I graduated from the University of Toronto with my OT master's. And uh, at the time I was a lot younger and didn't have as many commitments in the greater Toronto area. So I, I had the sense of adventure and I wanted to kind of go uh, somewhere else. And many of my classmates were thinking of, you know, going uh, to other countries. I was thinking of just exploring Ontario because I was relatively new to Ontario as well. So I, I applied for a master's of public health program at Lakehead University in Thunder Bay and uh, ended up in Northwestern Ontario. And uh, there I practiced in the community um, for a brief period of time, but I was also going to school full time as well. So I kind of didn't stop the school thing. And then when I finished my master's degree, I had an opportunity to work with my supervisor who was cross-appointed at Lakehead University to Laurentian University. And I moved to Sudbury and then that's kind of where uh, a lot of that happened. So I had an opportunity to start my PhD project, which was looking at the quality of work life and occupational stress of nurses working in hospitals in Northeastern Ontario. And it's a large geographic area. Um, it's like, as I, I remember this from giving presentations, it's like the size of France and Germany combined, but uh, a fraction of the population. So it's a massive area. And going to these communities, engaging with individuals on a face-to-face basis was where I got a lot of my um, community-based interest in doing research and with different populations, right? So there's a lot of different diverse groups there in our own province. So working with the Franco-Ontario population, working with Indigenous populations on and off reserve on Manitoulin Island, off Manitoulin Island in the city of Sudbury, or in Timmins, in North Bay, the Sioux, Sault Ste. Marie, uh, Ontario, and just having different types of experiences, clinical experiences as an occupational therapist, or research experiences as well. So lots of that was amalgamated together. It started off with providing OT services to Indigenous communities, uh, and then it turned into uh, a project evaluating health services on reserve. It started out working as a research student and as a, as a postdoctoral fellow, uh, and then starting to work with a multinational uh, mining company that had operations in Ontario on examining their workplace mental health. So it's a lot of exciting things like that that morphed into others and kind of just like I'm doing now, having the, the privilege and the opportunity to do this is something that I think has shaped me. And then, um, and then after many years of doing that, uh, I looked at, at connecting with uh, Toronto Rehab, and there was a postdoctoral opportunity there with Dr. Angela Colantonio, who's also a faculty member at uh, in our department of uh, occupational science and occupational therapy. She's also the Rehabilitation Sciences Institute director. So uh, I linked with her, and then, long story short, that got me connected to the department again, and then um, and I got involved in research and uh, moved bases to uh, Southern Ontario and into Toronto. So. It's been a, it's been a fantastic opportunity. I, I've I've learned a lot just you know being in Ontario, and I kind of use that narrative to 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 advocate for OTs, but also for different types of populations that I've had the privilege of working with. So that's that's kind of how my model works uh, of uh, pushing boundaries, making sure that OT goes into uh, innovative directions of practice of research, and um, that's kind of been the way I've been heading. I, I consider myself very fortunate to have these opportunities. 
I know we've taken up a lot of your time. Well, we just have one final question for you. And that's any words of wisdom, any advice that you have for uh, someone who's interested in this area of practice? Yeah, I think if you're interested in uh, workplace mental health, join the uh, OSAT subcommittee on workplace mental health as a starting point. Uh, we'd love to have you there to, to come, uh, come and share your ex- experiences and expertise and, uh, uh, and network uh, at different uh, venues, whether it's the OSAT uh, annual conference, uh, whether it's through uh, this podcast series and getting to know different perspectives, uh, reach out. People will be very happy to talk to you. I certainly will be. And we can find ways that we can collaborate together, work on different projects and, uh, and get to know one another. I think one of the challenges that I found beginning when this pandemic started was this idea of networking. I was used to kind of going and meeting someone in person, giving them a business card, and um, starting that relationship uh, face-to-face. But I found that we've had to be a little bit more creative, but it can be done just as well, if not better, uh, through a virtual setting and that we should be able to have that ability to pivot. And I think if, if we can take positives out of this pandemic is that we've had to think creatively. And I think OTs are ready to do that. And I think if you're interested in this area, put that creative thinking hat on, have that sense of adventure. And if you're willing to push boundaries, demonstrate OT leadership through an occupation-based approach, um, then we can have a lot of uh, interesting conversations together and hopefully our paths will cross as well. Thank you so much, Baden. What an inspirational end to this very inspirational <laughs> podcast uh, topic. Um, what a great way. Like I loved all of the ways that you, you kind of summed that up. And I, I think you will probably have a lot of people reaching out to you. (laughs) So thank you again so much for taking the time to speak with Priya and I today. And um, we look forward to continuing to work with you in all sorts of different avenues in, in workplace mental health. My pleasure. Thank you for your time. This episode concludes our podcast series. Over the past six episodes, we have explored workplace mental health from a variety of perspectives and learned about the experiences of many occupational therapists working in the area. We hope you enjoyed listening and learned something new about how occupational therapists can promote and restore mental health in the workplace. Please visit our show notes for our contact information to stay connected. Thank you for listening to Work Disrupted, a podcast from the Ontario Society of Occupational Therapists.